the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, What's going on, everybody? A Thanksgiving weekend edition of the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast. And nothing better than hearing Sammy Hagar and Joe Satriani, Jason Bonham, Michael Anthony cranking it out with a little good enough on the Howard Stern Show about a week and a half ago. There's a reason why we're playing that because of the guest that's going to join us on the program uh, this week. First off, I hope you, everybody had a great Thanksgiving, spending time with family, eating the turkey uh, and all the trimmings. Hope everyone had a great time on that. Uh, I did as well. Got a chance to uh, spend time with some family and my mother-in-law who is dealing with uh, terminally ill lung cancer. It's probably going to be her last Thanksgiving. And we had a great time uh, celebrating with her uh, and family. So this week's guest, a little different. We're not going to have a beer guest this week. So coming up in 10 minutes, Greg Raynoff. Uh, he is the author of uh, a number of books on Van Halen. He's going to join me on the program. Uh, he basically wrote um, the sort of unauthorized, authorized history of Van Halen from the uh, formings of a, um, you know, backyard band in uh, Pasadena, California, up to when uh, David Lee Roth uh, left the band. I, I It's been a number of years since I read the book. I don't recall if he delved into the Sammy Hagar stuff. I think he stopped it at, right at DLR, but we'll ask Greg about that. But the new, he also wrote a great book about uh, Ted Templeman, who's a longtime producer uh, of Van Halen, which I have not read and I have to uh, buy for myself. Maybe I get that as a Christmas present. Tell the wife to get that for me as a Christmas present. But anyway, Greg's going to join us because this new tour with Sammy Hagar is kicking off in the summer, focusing on Van Halen songs um, and some of Sammy's solo stuff. There's some backlash out there, and I wanted to talk to Greg about it. He is a longtime music guy, long-suffering Jets fan as well. Maybe we'll touch on a little sports. I wanted to just do things a little differently for the Thanksgiving weekend. we got plenty of beer news to get to in this segment. Uh, and I'm not sure if Greg is going to join me for one segment or two segments. I'm hoping to get him for two segments. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But um, it, it's an interesting tour. They sound great on on uh, Howard Stern. I did not get a chance to listen to uh, Eddie Trunk's interview yet uh, with the band um, the following day. I have to go back. It's about two hours long. It's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit lengthy for me um, to do that. But I will. Uh, and report back to you. But I'm psyched. I already have tickets for next summer, uh, PNC on July 27th in New Jersey. Um, I think it's going to be great. Uh, I love the fact that he's doing this. Because let's face it, nobody's getting any younger. Wolfgang has his own thing going on. Alex has made it pretty clear he's not going to do anything really as a tribute to his brother. 
they've tried to piece stuff together but never really have come to terms. And I don't know whose fault is that. Is it Alex? Is it uh, Roth? Is it Sammy? I don't know. Sammy seem, and Michael seem very gung-ho about wanting to do it. Um, other members, maybe not so much. And, you know, Wolf has said, I've done what I, I want for my dad. Like, that's it. And it's up to Alex now whether or not he wants to continue the torch and, and keep it moving. So I, I don't, and I don't have an issue if he doesn't ever want to do anything about it. That's fine. You, 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 you uh, pay homage to your brother however you want. That's how I look at it. All right. Enough time on that. We'll get into it with Greg in a, in a, in a little bit. Uh, Brooklyn-based Other Half Brewing Company has a deal to purchase Young Lion Brewing Company's brewery and tap room in Canandaigua, New York. Uh, the companies announced this about a week ago. The Young Lion brand and intellectual property was not included in the transaction. Per the announcement, Young Lion is exploring creative solutions for its exciting future. The Canandaigua facility will be Other Half's eighth outpost. They're all over the place. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here with Other Half. Obviously, that means uh, beers in that area of New York. You're going to be able to get it um, a little easier. Um, what that means for Young Lion, you know, the brand and the property not included. So maybe they're going to do something else. You know, in the future, it just looks like they are taking over the brewery and tap room itself and producing other half beers uh, from there. There you go. Uh, speaking of whiskey, Great Jones Distilling Company, Manhattan's first whiskey distillery since Prohibition, uh, is back this winter with their Whiskey Wonderland. If you're looking for something to do, this year it's whiskey winter-themed subterranean speakeasy opens to the public. It opened already on the 24th of uh, November to unveil the Great Jones Whiskey Wonderland. It's a festive pop-up that will transport New Yorkers directly to the North Pole. The speakeasy is transformed into a holiday-themed winter chalet serving theatrical seasonal cocktails made with Great Jones whiskey alongside wintry bites like chocolate fondue, winter truffle flatbread, and duo holiday sliders. The chalet will run through the holiday season into January of next year. Great Jones Distilling CO.com for more information and reservations. I don't know if my wife wants to go see the tree this year, but this is something that, you know, maybe we do afterwards. Sounds like a little uh, little bit of fun in Manhattan. A good time brewing company, the brainchild keeping it in Manhattan of bar industry luminary uh, Mikey McFerrin announces the launch of its non alcoholic IPA. It's to be sold across New York City. Uh, beginning this fall, uh, bringing on a rising star in the brewing world, Dylan Collins is head brewer. The company makes its mission known to reimagine non-alcoholic beer with great taste and no stigma. Uh, Mikey says, we have no interest in creating a moral message about drinking or not. We're modernizing non-alcoholic beer's image, crafting appealing options for all, even seasoned drinkers. There's no catch. You can commit to non-alcoholic beers for a while or simply swap one out for your third drink of the night. It's meant to be. An easy choice. Good Time Brewing places a strong emphasis on the quality of its non-alcoholic beer, ensuring that every sip is as enjoyable as the next, and every can could easily be mistaken for a traditional full alcohol content beer. It's a uh, the first beer out, a delicious and hoppy non-alcoholic IPA. It is set to launch in New York City uh, this fall. Initial availability at New York City institutions such as uh, Viscella and Attaboy, providing a refreshing option for those seeking an alcohol-free alternative. They are describing it as a West Coast hazy IPA. And there you go. Uh, so maybe we'll uh, reach out here to Mikey McFerrin. Since it's in the city, maybe we'll get some samples and uh, we'll check it out. Uh, the good friends from the New York City Brewers Guild have uh, are asking folks to save the date. They're opening Bash for next year, Saturday, February 24th. That it will be the kickoff to New York City Beer Week. They're getting the planning underway. Discounted early bird tickets go on sale very soon. 
Put the date on your calendar. They're back in the Box Factory at Industry City. Join all our New York City breweries and guest breweries. We cannot wait to kick off New York City Beer Week. I cannot wait either. It is a fantastic event uh, in Industry City. I'm there every year. I've been there. I've been going for a long, long, long time. So I am excited for that and uh, cannot wait uh, to see uh, what happens there. Uh, Let's see if we can get to this one here on the website. Maybe. I uh, tried to click on that. Let's see if it... Ah, there we go. All right, so this is a, a blog that I found, WashingtonBeerBlog.com. They're having, uh, they do all this news about the state of Washington and craft beer. They're having a winter beer fest December 15th and 16th at Magnuson Park. Uh, tickets are on sale now. Uh, if you go to tickets.WashingtonBrewersGuild.org, uh, you can find the tickets for sale. There are more than 40 Washington breweries pouring at the event this year. Perhaps the biggest change, the event now offers a VIP opportunity uh, general admission tickets, $45 in advance, online, $50 at the door. It includes eight four-ounce tastings and a souvenir tasting glass, so it's not unlimited pours. Um, the VIP is 85 in advance, 90 at the door, and it includes 10 four-ounce tastings, one-hour early entrance, access to VIP lounge, snacks and other special treats included, a swag bag, and a souvenir tasting glass. You can get designated driver tickets for just $5 available at the door only. It's two days. Friday, December 15th from 5.30 to 9.30. Uh, the VIP starts at 5.30. General admission is at 6.30. And then Saturday, December 16th, 2 to 6. VIP is at 2. The general admission is at 3. Uh, Hangar 30 in Warren G. Magnuson Park in Seattle, Washington. A bunch of different great breweries that are going to be here. Uh, Aslan Brewery, uh, Boundary Bay, who else? Flying Bike, Fremont, Ghostfish, Half Lion, uh, Hellbent Brewing, Iron Horse, uh, Jellyfish, who else? Silver City, Single Hill, Watts Brewing Company, uh, No L.I. Brewhouse, uh, Great Brewery, Peace of Mind Brewing, uh, Magnuson Brewery, a whole bunch of different breweries that are going to be there. And again, this is December 15th and 16th. Uh, if you head to WashingtonBeerBlog.com, you can find out more information right there. And then finally, the Beer Spot. We had these. Uh, we had their owners on, Damien Zawahi and uh, Jessica French. Opened up the beer spa back in 20, uh, 2021 during the pandemic uh, at three uh, 3004 Downing Street. Uh, but they are opening a second location in Highlands Ranch, which will open in the fall of next year. Uh, this was the concept of uh, soaking in a tub while uh, drinking beer in the room or a glass of wine or maybe cider. Uh, but now they wanted to build a place that was closer to where a lot of people were coming from. Uh, and so that's why they're opening up a second location in Highlands Ranch, which will open in the fall of next year. And they've changed the name. They've called it the Oakwell Beer Spa now. Uh, the name Oakwell said the couple speaks to the powerful oak tree mirrored by the wood panels decorating the spa as well as the oak barrels used to age some beers in. The well aspect comes from wellness, obviously enough. Uh, it is a 3,400-square-foot place that they're building, including 867 square feet of patio. Four beer therapy rooms are planned, as well as five zero-gravity massage chairs. Uh, there's an outdoor space to the spa. It's an extension of the tap room. You can grab a pint before or after treatment or just stop by for a drink, which is what they were seeing from a lot of people. Uh, a garage door a wall will be installed so larger groups can toast to relaxation together. This sounds like a lot of fun. And I can't wait to get out to Denver next year, so we're going to see what happens there. Now, when we come back after a short break, Greg Renoff, author of books on Van Halen, will join me to talk about the Sammy Hagar Best of All Worlds Tour. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast, Thanksgiving edition style, on AM 970, The Answer. 
Welcome back to the Al Gattulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer, the Thanksgiving edition. So hopefully you've had your fill of turkey and family, and you're just chilling back at the end of this weekend here, getting ready to head back to work on Monday morning uh, for, you know, back to the same old grind, I guess. Uh, my next guest, he is an author and a historian. He's got a Ph.D. in American history from Brandeis University, and he's written a number of books, one on Van Halen, the other on legendary rock producer Ted Templeman, uh, you can order those books on Amazon or wherever you get your books, but the reason why we're having him on is because of this big debate back and forth with Van Halen and Sammy Hagar and going out on this tour again, and uh, I wanted to do something a little different for this Thanksgiving weekend instead of just having you know the same old beer guests over and over, even though this show is about beer, but beer and music play a big integral part um, together when you're drinking, you're usually listening to music. So, uh, you can follow him on X at Greg Renoff. And of course you can order his books on Amazon or wherever you get your books. Let me welcome to the craft beer cast for the first time. Uh, Greg Renoff, Greg, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. You're and happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. My, my first question was going to be about the jets, Greg, but they 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 have stunk the joint out, quite frankly. And just like my Giants, I'm a Giant fan and long suffering. I guess for the last few years. So let's hit on a slightly less controversial topic, like last week's announcement of Sammy Hagar's latest and maybe final tour, the best of all worlds, with Michael Anthony, Jason Bonham, and Joe Satriani performing Van Hagar songs, some Van Halen hits. I'm digging it for next summer. I already got my tickets for uh, PNC in New Jersey. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I think. If you, anyone knows Sammy Hagar, he, he's been talking about this sort of in passing in interviews for like at least the last six months, maybe maybe more, probably more like a year he mentioned this, right. that he was going to go out in 2024 and do this. Um, so it's it, I think for the hardcore Van Halen fan base, it's not a surprise that this is happening. I think the context for me is that when we look at sort of the passing of other rock legends, Freddie Mercury kind of is the most iconic of those. If you think about that, there was the, the classic tribute show where you have everyone come together. And I think when Ed passed, I think for me, you know, I would have always envisioned, I think a lot of people would have agreed something like the LA forum or the Rose bowl or something like that, where you have the sort of tribute that we, we would have wanted, I think. And I think the, um, for those folks who don't know, the, the politics inside the Van Halen camp with the former singers. I mean, everyone kind of knows the David Lee Roth, right. uh, Sammy Hagar thing and the Alex Van Halen-Sammy Hagar relationship has not been exactly warm over the years as well. It makes this sort of a difficult thing. And so I think for a lot of fans, this is um, an opportunity to go and to celebrate the music of Van Halen, even though, interestingly enough, of course, it's not branded as Van Halen. Right. Just very quickly, I think we have a tour like the Pantera tour, some of these other rock tours where you have members who have passed and there's an effort to sort of say, we're going to go out and pay tribute or have a revival of the brand, so to speak. Sammy Hagar is going out as Sammy Hagar. He can't go out as Van Halen because he does not have the blessing of the Van Halen camp meeting Alex and Van Halen Incorporated, as I would call it, to go out and do something like that. Right, right. Now, I know fans are split one way or the other. Van Halen, Van Hagar, people are screaming it's a it's a cover band. It's not Van Halen without DLR and Alex. Do you think that Sammy should just do the songs that he wrote and was involved in? Or, you know, or do you think it's okay for him to do other stuff in the catalog, especially the way he's billing it, like Michael Anthony's going to sing some stuff, and they have done that uh, over the last several uh, several years, or do you think he should just stick to what he's done? You know, I think at, at this point, I, this is sort of the last, I say that, I mean, I can't imagine there's going to ever be a David Lee Roth, Alex Van Halen, or a David Lee Roth-centered tribute tour like this. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think do whatever 
I would, if I were Sammy, I would just say, do whatever you would want. I mean, I think for, for someone like Mike, who's was in the band the whole stretch of time, I think that makes sense. But I would imagine, you know, for Mike Anthony, I, I, I hope this would provide him with some closure as well. I can imagine, you know, I think um, of the fact that he and Ed had a, a difficult relationship, didn't talk for right. a long periods of time. And I would imagine for him, you know, maybe this provides some closure too to kind of go out and just kind of put the final um, a chapter in that book about Van Halen and uh, go off into the sunset. So I, I don't, you know, I don't have a particular um, issue issue with that. And I think I think fans would, to be honest with you, I think some fans um, would be, I mean, a little maybe put off if they if there were no early Van Halen songs. And again, I'm not saying sort of saying do jump or something like that, but right. maybe something like Ain't Talking About Love or some of the other um, Van Halen songs that we know from the catalog that would be associated with Michael Anthony. Um, as a background vocalist, I'd be, I would be a little bit surprised they didn't do any of those. Right. Talking with author and historian Greg Renoff, he's written a number of books, one of them on Van Halen. It's a great book. You really should get it if you want to know about the early history of Van Halen and how they became the success that they that they were. Uh, the other one, legendary rock producer Ted Templeman. You can order the books on Amazon or wherever you get your books. You can follow him on X at Greg Renoff. That's R-E-N-O-F-F is the last name. We're here on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. So, Greg, why do you think that Alex Van Halen has been so silent about doing a tribute tour for his brother Eddie? Is it just, look, it's just not his thing? I know he doesn't really speak that much publicly, but really, at some point now, he something... I guess should have been said. And Wolfgang seems to be sort of the representative of the band to say, look, you know, we're not really going to do anything. And, you know, it's up to Alex, but basically they've said they're not going to do anything. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, about, about a year ago, it leaked out that there was a, I guess a half, half started effort to try to do a tour that was going to include Joe Satriani, Jason Newstead on bass. And right. it sounded like they were trying to talk about with, with Mike, Anthony again, and trying to think about how to work the whole. I don't remember the whole, the whole geometry of it all. But there was, yeah. there was sort of this effort to sort of say we're going to try to go out, and then that fell apart. In other words, Alex playing drums, Satriani playing guitar, and right. Dave on vocals. And um, you know, I don't know exactly why that didn't that didn't come to pass. I suspect that for Alex, without uh, having his brother alongside him on stage, that's a difficult thing to envision. And I, maybe the emotional toll that it was going to take on him was the thing. I, I don't, I don't know that. I mean, I think the, the financial aspect of it, I mean, I would imagine it would have been, a, it would have been a lucrative, um, tour and they would have all, all those guys would have made good money and everyone, you know, everyone needs money at the end of the day. But sure. I, I, that's my gut feeling is that, that it maybe it was just, it didn't feel right. Like it just felt you know, wrong, um, mm. to, to have a, a tour, go out that would be not Ed and Al together for, for Al and about the not commenting. I mean, I, I think that's been Alex's general style throughout his career. Right. He, he did very few. I mean, he did interviews in sort of the context of Van Halen, but for, uh, for drum interviews, I mean, I think he's only did about five or six, maybe seven drum magazine interviews over his entire career. It wasn't as if he was sort of an easy interview to get. Right. Um, and I also look, I also think, you know, I also suspect, and I think from what Sam has said, I think this is probably accurate, that there's really some still some unresolved issues between Sammy and Alex. And I suspect Alex doesn't want to give it any oxygen. Um, right. I think Alex recognizes that it's, you know, that there's a, uh, if he spoke, because he doesn't speak, you know, some rock stars speak every every week, they're saying stuff, right. you know, and putting stuff out there, musicians. And for, for Alex to speak, it would be big news and would give the tour oxygen. I, maybe that's, 
the thing. He just doesn't want to give it any any juice, and he's just not going to even respond to it. Yeah, uh, I know. And, and over the last week or so, Sammy has invited both Alex and David Lee Roth on the tour. I don't think DLR even takes the stage with them, and Alex is clearly out at this point. Sammy has basically said, you know, uh, he doesn't he doesn't return his calls, and it's probably not going to happen. But Greg, do you think that that David Lee Roth would jump in at any point during this? I, I really don't. I mean, I you know, I go back to uh, the Sam and Dave tour mm-hmm. earlier this century, which is you know twenty years back now, right. and uh, there were those stories where Sammy and Mike Anthony who were on that tour would go knock on the dressing room door of David Lee Roth and say, Con, come out, come on and play a song with us. And he refused right. to jump on stage with, with Sammy. And I think, um, you know, the fact that it's branded Sammy Hagar makes it highly unlikely that that would ever happen. I think, again, I don't remember, and I don't think we were really privy of all the, the goings on when they were talking about doing, Alex was talking about doing a, a Van Halen branded tour. Right. Um, was it possible to imagine that they would have done a set with Sammy and a set with Dave under that umbrella, possibly, I guess, but I, I can't ever imagine like Sam just inviting Dave up and Dave going, "Yes, let me let me make Sammy some more money or something." Right. I don't know. I mean, I know that's kind of kind of crude to say it that way, but I think that's I think it's that's the way to do. It. I think I think the other interesting thing though, really quickly, is that there, you know, Sammy has said that he wants to kind of open the stage up to anyone who wants to jump up and play. So you can imagine. Um, going from town to town, there, there are probably going to be a lot of guests playing with them. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it's not like David Lee Roth is going to be at Red Rocks and suddenly stand up, you know, get up on stage and start belting out, you know, uh, hot for teacher or something like that. So I think you're right about that. But you mentioned that about how Sammy was saying uh, he he's going to be inviting people to come on stage. Who's the one musician that you would like to see uh, grab the guitar or maybe get behind the drums and play a couple of tunes? There's so many. I mean, it's a person who kind of really, to me, comes to mind is um, – Nuno Betancourt is somebody who I really, yeah. really uh, think does a great job of the Van Halen stuff, and I would love to see him in the context of um, of that. But you know, look, I, I think when I consider this tour, and then in the light of what I think should have been if when Eddie had passed, and again, in a different understanding, there was politics, and it was a difficult situation. I really do think Wolfgang, especially, had his you know, had the had the uh, best intention of trying to make some sort of tribute happen, but he sort of said it was just impossible with the relationships in the band. Right. You know, I, I, I think anybody uh, would, who is a fan of Van Halen, who's a musician, would, would um, you know, likely take the opportunity to, to jump up there. I mean, I, the people I'd like to think about going up there, um, you know, be Steve Vai. It would be really, really fun to see Steve Vai and, right. and his, uh, his longtime friend, Safiani playing together on songs. Yep. And there are just, there are so many, um, you know, singers and, you know, like even like someone like I mean, Lady Gaga, there's all these people who are Van Halen yeah. fans who wouldn't necessarily be maybe on people's radar as Van Halen fans who would get up there and maybe wanted, you know, Kenny Chesney. There's other, these country stars right. are all our big Van Halen fans. So it would be, it would be great to see some folks who were sort of out of, out of the box. Uh, excuse me, out of the uh, and, out of left field people. And the Vi one is not inconceivable since him and Satriani are doing a tour before that, before this before this tour takes place, so who knows. But listen, uh, Greg, I want to take a quick break. We're going to do a little bit more here. When we come back, we're going to have more from author and historian Greg Renoff and how he gets started with his whole Van Halen obsession. That's one of the questions I want to ask him. We're going to do that right after this on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer.
Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Probably another one you're going to hear from the Best of All Worlds Tour, the Best of Both Worlds from Van Halen's 5150 album here. We're talking with author and historian Greg Renoff. He's written a number of books, one of them on the history of Van Halen and how they got started, the other on legendary rock producer Ted Templeman. You can order the books on Amazon or wherever you get your books. You can also follow him on X at Greg Renoff. Greg, so before the break, I had mentioned that we wanted to, I wanted to find out, how did you get started with your... I don't want to say obsession. Is that that's too much of a? I mean, I'm I'm obsessed with certain bands. I guess obsession may be the right word. But how did you get started with your fandom of Van Halen? Yeah, so I'm a I'm a New Jersey kid, and uh, I was uh, like probably everybody else in the early '80s, you know, watching MTV, and I saw Jump, and was just and absolutely enraptured by the by the song and the whole vibe of the band, and it really captured my imagination. And I was able to go see the 1984 tour, which I was very fortunate to be able to do oh, that. I was a 14, and I, uh, it just that kind of like just blew my mind, and was uh, you know one of those things that sort of changes your changes your life as an experience. And uh, you know, I, I uh, went off to college, I went to grad school, I got a PhD in history, and I remained a Van Halen fan. And sort of as I approached my uh, you know midpoint of my career as a historian after I got I got in tenure and was doing my college professor thing, I thought I would do this fun side project just to, just as a, you know, a way to uh, blow off some steam from my other writing and to write about Van Halen. And sure. I was interested in their beginnings and that just sort of snowballed. Long story short, I ended up doing 200 plus interviews and ended up writing a 300 page book on Van Halen when I initially thought I was just going to write a little, you know, a little tiny little article maybe for like Van Halen news desk or something just for, right. just for fun. Um, but, you know, as a historian, you want to dig deeper into the story. And I really thought the, the way the band formed from the fact uh, even earlier than that, the brothers coming over to America with their family in 1962 and the immigrant aspect of the story. And then meeting up with this very uh, unique individual, David Lee Roth, who was so different than they were uh, there. You know, he was came from a wealthier family and was definitely a, a more outgoing and flamboyant person than they were. It was a, I thought it was a great rock story. And I really, the more I looked around and um, read what had been written, a lot of, um, books and accounts of Van Halen's history hadn't really done the deep dive that I thought necessitated uh, or deserved and, and that I wanted to do. And uh, that's how it came into be a book. And and you certainly did a deep dive. Folks, if you haven't read his book yet, listen, Christmas is just around the corner. Tell somebody to you know tag it on Amazon and get it for you. I, it is absolutely, uh, in my opinion, the authoritative history of how they got started, how how they came to America, how they started playing guitar and drums, uh, how they were playing in backyards uh, all over Pasadena. It's an amazing reading. Greg, you did a really phenomenal job on it. Uh, the thing that I admired the most about Eddie was that he loved playing guitar. And I remember he played on a bunch of tracks. I was one of my first paying jobs in radio uh, back in 92. Uh, Thomas Dolby had come out with an album. It was called Astronauts and Heretics. And, you know, we're reading the liner notes as we're listening to this, and Eddie Van Halen plays on three or four songs on this album. And a completely different sound than the one that he played with Van Halen. And I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that I was obsessed with him. I love all forms of music, but I admired his willingness to play any style. Did you get that sense, uh, you know, following Eddie all those years? Yeah, I think the thing about him was he was a musical searcher. I think he was somebody who started off with a guitar in a bedroom, and by the end of his his career, or certainly the midpoint of his career in the 80s, I mean, he was playing a ton of keyboards, and I, I think... Right. The, the whole transformation of the Van Halen sound to become more melodic and more keyboard based and more um, 
morality. I mean, that was kind of that's one of the great you know breaking off points between sometimes people who call themselves fans of the Hagar era versus fans of the David Roth era. Right. You know, but that's I, uh, and I think one slightly entertaining aspect of this is that a lot of people will blame Sammy Hagar as to say, you know, Sammy was the guy who wanted to sing about love. So he told Eddie to just, you know, to write these songs. And the reality was Eddie was writing the music and was at, Sammy was responding to these, you know, more, uh, you know, just a, a softer, more accessible sound right. from what had come earlier. And so I think, you know, the fact that he would, would play with Thomas Dolby doesn't surprise me at all. I think at the story that I recall hearing about that was that Thomas Dolby actually went to Eddie's studio, 5150, upon Eddie's imita- uh, invitation and helped Eddie program his keyboards. He was working on getting some keyboard songs and, and uh, Thomas, you know, uh, did that. And Eddie said, Hey, I'm happy to play on some of your songs if you want, you know, and that was the way that sort wow. of a, you know, a friendship a reciprocal friendship thing there. And that was really, you know, that was really great about Eddie. I think he was somebody who um, just wanted to make music with people and was super creative. That's see, that's a, that's a great story. I love that. I, I love hearing about that. That just, Hey, you help me out. I'll help you out. By, by doing something. I know that was sort of Steve Lukather had talked about that uh, for years about his uh, friendship with Eddie, which is which is really mm-hmm. cool. We're talking with author and historian Greg Renoff. He's written a number of books, one on Van Halen, the other on legendary rock producer Ted Templeton. Order the books on Amazon or wherever, wherever you get your books. You can follow him on X at Greg Renoff, R-E-N-O-F-F. We're here on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Let's get back to the Best of All Worlds Tour. Are you hoping, like I am, to hear some chicken foot on this tour since three-fourths of the band is chicken foot? Yeah, I think it's really interesting, right? Because there's not only the chicken foot material, there's also the Sammy Hagar solo material right. that could be uh, done. I mean, I, I was also uh, thinking about the fact that Van Halen, for encores in the some of their 1980, mid-80s shows, they used to do rock and roll by Led Zeppelin. And I think that would be a, a great one to have uh, have them do since Jason is going to be playing drums, John right. Bottom's son. And so, you know, I think that, I suspect that's going to be kind of the, the approach. I assume they'll have a, a set list, but Sammy's always seemed like a guy who's willing to be a somewhat flexible um, about the about the set list, and you might see things dropped in and pulled out. And uh, especially if uh, you um, you get you know guests coming up and stuff like that. Sammy, it, the other thing about Sammy, I give him credit for is that he's not afraid to kind of get up there and do something for the kind of the first time on a stage. Like you know, oh, here's this person. He wants to come up. Let's do this song, and they just sort of jam their way through it. He's He's, um, you know, he's he's kind of an open book in that standpoint. He's not going to be uh, right. a control freak and say this. I can't do this because we're not we haven't rehearsed this or something. So, right. Um, yeah, I think the I think this the chicken foot material. There's the Led Zeppelin material. Um, you know, for a solo, I, I think I, I I say this with all respect for Joe Satriani. I really do hope that no, no one tries to do eruption. I don't yeah. think that would be the appropriate thing to do. I mean, I, I think something like Satch Boogie, which is sort of Joe's signature song. Yep. Uh, would be would make sense to sort of has his as his sort of solo piece where the other guys maybe step off the stage just maybe uh, Joe does something with uh, Jason and let Sammy take a break that would be make sense to me but um, yeah I mean I think that's the thing it's going to be a, uh, a a wide open uh, set list from uh, I think from night to night. Yeah, and, and, you know, listen, I love Satriani. I think his guitar playing is outstanding. I saw Chicken Foot on the first tour. I did not see the second tour, but it was unbelievable how great that tour was. Um, can he pull off what Eddie did on tour? I mean, and they're going to be doing some songs where there is some keyboard involved. I'm assuming somebody's either going to be backstage or, you know, something is going to happen in that nature. But can Satriani, and I, I like, my hope is, is Satriani doesn't try to 
imitate Eddie, but do his own interpretation mm-hmm. of what Eddie would do. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I think there's there's a fine line there. It's like it's it's you don't want a clone, right? You don't want somebody who's right. like just basically playing everything note for note because that begets it's just yeah. it's like trying to replace the irreplaceable and the person's not there on stage, so let's not do that. But on the other hand, I think there is I think we saw this from the Howard Stern thing is that there is Howard Stern performance is that there is an expectation uh, of, among Van Halen fans of sort of, of sort of playing the the riffs like Eddie played them. It doesn't mean you can't add your own color and flavor to them. So, uh, you know, Joe is a, Joe's a pro and Joe's going to go out there and he's going to do a great job on all those songs. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I really, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I, I got the impression from hearing Joe speak on CERN that he thinks I couldn't, I can't do it anyway. Like if you wanted me to be like the clone, <laughs> I can't play like that. Like that's right. not my style, right? I can't just sort of like magically con- transform my style into being like an Eddie Van Halen right. clone. So, that's what this what what Hagar has said to. He didn't want there are certainly there are pro players mm. who could do a probably better Eddie Van Halen. I mean, I think Nuno might be somebody that comes to mind. Like probably could do a better Eddie Van Halen sure. uh, while remaining within his own style than Joe. Um, but you know, Joe and Sammy are friends long time, and they have yeah. a relationship from Chickenfoot, and that's where it kind of all makes sense. Totally makes sense. Now, I, and last question from me, Greg. I love that Michael Anthony is going to sing on a bunch of these tunes. His voice and backing vocals are critical to this tour. Um, I've heard him do a couple of old Van Halen songs over the last year and a half or so. Have you heard him do any of the old Van Halen stuff over the last year or so? And if so, what's your take on him performing those songs? Yeah, I haven't caught them on uh, live uh, in the last year. It's done... I know with Mike, Mike's son, somebody get me a doctor and he talk about love. It's kind of been the one that he, right. he's done. I mean, I think those would be the, the ones that I would think would be uh, the ones that he would do. I mean, everybody wants maybe is another one he might do mm. uh, that might be kind of in his wheelhouse. I think, look, I think it makes, it makes sense. I think everybody who is a fan of Van Halen understands that Michael Anthony's vocals were sent on Shane now. It's still, you know, like that they were part of Halen and the, the sound of the band. So I think for me, giving him an opportunity to shine in the spotlight, give Sammy a little bit of break, I think it's great. I hope it does become a, a, a nightly thing where he does one or two songs. That would be great. Yeah, that would be. My guest has been author and historian Greg Renoff. He's written a number of books, one on Van Halen. Go get it. Trust me, you will love it. The other on legendary rock producer Ted Templeton. That's on my Christmas list that uh, my wife is going to get me that I have to read. You can order the books on Amazon or wherever you get your books. You can follow them on X at Greg Renoff. And up next, it's time for Suds and Duds on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Final segment of the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on this Thanksgiving weekend on AM 970, The Answer. Feels so good. 
from Van Halen's second album with Sammy Hagar, OU812. To me, and we'll get to the uh, suds and duds in just a second. My thanks to Greg Reynoff for the last uh, two segments. Great stuff. Um, that's one I'm hoping they do on this Best of All Worlds tour. I don't know if they're going to do it because obviously a lot of it requires that keyboard opening. They could probably pull it off uh, on a track. Um, we'll see. To me, of the four records that they did with Sammy Hagar, I know a lot of people like uh, for Unlawful Kernel Knowledge, and I like it. It's a great album. I think OU812 is their best one of the four. I think they sort of hit their stride. 5150 was sort of trying to be the extension of 1984, going heavy but but throwing synths in. I think this is the one where they really embraced the whole synthesizer thing, mixed and played around with different things, a little bluesy stuff, a little, uh, you know, straight-up rock. Um, and I thought Sammy's melodies, his singing, was better on this album than it was on 5150. I think 5150 was more raw. Uh, and for Unlawful Kernel Knowledge was sort of, uh, you know, that next step, that next evolution, like let's get it back to where we were. Um, but I thought OU812 was probably the best one out of the four in the Sammy Hagar era. No surprise. I mean, it was my senior year of high school. I loved every song on this album. I must have listened to the tape over and over again until I wore it out. But, uh, you know, look, let's see what happens during this tour. It'll be interesting to see how things evolve and who knows what guests will be coming out each night. Um I know Greg had mentioned Steve Vai. I think that would be awesome. I would love it if Alex just shows up at the last show and just blows it out. But I know, I think we all know uh, that that's not going to happen. It's just not. I, I think, I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think Alex Van Halen wants to get on a stage without his brother. And he knows that that can't happen again. And I think he's just very content to just leave it be as is. And that's cool. That's cool. I'm okay with that. I think Wolfgang did his own tribute when he was with um, the Foo Fighters when they were uh, celebrating Taylor Hawkins. I think he's done his own thing for his father. And that's it. And I think they've moved on from it. They can't get all the pieces together, so they've moved on. That's just my two cents. All right, let us dive into um, some suds and duds here. Uh, We've got um, The World is Your Cloister. This is a collab. Uh, from Ashton Brewing and from Coastal Brew Works. We're trying to get the Coastal Brew guys on next week um, for next week's program, and I think that it'll probably happen. I'm uh, hoping to tape something um, very soon, and uh, we'll get it together and we'll get it on hopefully for next week's uh, program. But anyway, uh, if you enjoy Abbey-style beers, this one is definitely for you. Slightly sweet on the nose with the raisins, a pinch of the currants, and then a nice dry finish. Uh, this was delicious. I was so happy to get a can of this. Thank you, boys, uh, for the can. I do appreciate it. It was fantastic. Um, Matt is doing a tremendous job. And Steve Ashton, by the way, Ashton, very underrated. Go over there. They're in the old demented demented space. If you have not had uh, some of Ashton's beers, definitely go check them out. His culture is great. He does some good IPAs. Definitely go check him out. Um, He knows. He absolutely knows what he's doing. Um, I want to thank Chris Monahan from... uh, Lawson's Finest, uh, for getting me the four-pack of uh, the Nitro Stout. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, and by the way, thank you for lunch. Appreciate that. And thank you, Sean Lawson, for paying for lunch. Um, Love this beer. Creamy head, dry finish, delicious. Uh, This is one, again, easy drinking stout. Yes, it's on Nitro. Um, You know, and some people are not crazy about uh, Nitro beers. But I have to tell you, 
Uh, this was an excellent beer. Enjoyed it a lot. Um, one that I could go back to over and over again and not feel overwhelmed and gave you all the elements of that sort of Irish dry stout that you want. It was great. Um, over at Paragon Tap and Table, they had Bird's Mouth's Original Lager, which I thought I had had, but I guess I hadn't. What a, cre- a clean, crisp lager this is. Fantastic. I mean, look, that's all that Bird's Mouth does is lagers, and they do them exceptionally well. If you are a lager fan, get yourself down to Fort Monmouth, get in there, and um, and uh, fill, your, fill your belly with some uh, delicious lagers. It's the right time of year. Any time of the year is good for lagers, but uh, right now, good time of year for lagers. As we continue on here on Suds and Duds, on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer, another great brewery that's open uh, up in uh, Randolph, Autodidact, Amanda's Wings. I mean, all these guys do is crank out really good beer. Hazy, juicy, delicious, just a, a fantastic beer. Um, have to get up to these guys and try a couple of them on tap uh, over in Randolph. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, Gunner's Daughter by Mass Landing. This one was on Nitro 2 uh, at Paragon. And I have to tell you, if you like Nitro Stouts and you like peanut butter, this one is for you. Smooth, creamy, huge peanut butter hit off the nose and tongue. And then I found out from uh, a frequent listener, Rob, uh, Rob Bedford, um, there is no peanut butter in this beer. That's what's even greater. I love the fact that it's peanuts all over the place, and yet there's no peanut butter in the beer. That's pretty cool. Delicious beer. Um, Crowd Pleaser by Source Brewing. I've had this bottle sitting. I, I couldn't even tell you how long it's been sitting in the refrigerator. Um, probably six months, maybe a little bit more. Uh, nice and boozy. Good hit of vanilla and caramel. Uh, just a delicious, delicious beer. Enjoyed that with a bunch of friends at a Friendsgiving. Uh, always nice to share. Another one that I shared, Queen Snake by District 96. This is a, um, this is a, actually it might have been a Tin Barn one. Tin Barn District 96 collab. Um, I probably tagged it in the wrong spot. Gotta love a beer that drinks like a 7%, but it's a double-digit IPA uh, in terms of ABB, uh, ABV. Fantastic. Uh, really good. Both of these guys crank out unbelievable beer. Uh, this one was absolutely no exception. And then finally, uh, from Troon, I wept for eternity. Uh, it was the last can that was sitting in the fridge. Again, I was at a friend's giving. I wanted to crack that open and be able to share with a few people. And um, always good to share the Troon. Uh, hoppy, tropical, uh, and delicious. Just a great beer. Um, looking forward to hopefully scoring some more Troon. Uh, at some point, but I'm not one of these guys who I absolutely have to get it when it when it's released. Look, if I'm available and I get in on time, I'll do it. Uh, would I drive uh, when they say they have allotments open? Probably not because it's an hour from my house, and I figure by the time I get there, it'll probably be gone. But anyway, Trude makes great beer, but do yourself a favor. You want a great date night? You want to take your girlfriend, your wife out to a great date night in New Jersey? Go to Brick Farm Tavern. Make reservations. Get down there. The food is phenomenal farm to table. But on top of that, it's the only place where you can get Troon. So you like your craft beer, you want to make your wife happy, girlfriend happy, take her out to a great dinner, a nice little expensive dinner, and have yourself a couple of Troons while you're sitting there. If you got a dog, you can bring the dog out to the dog park. Trust me, it is well worth the absolute experience. There's fire pits out there, a nice cozy night. It's excellent. All right. That's it for the Thanksgiving edition of the uh, Algatulo Craft Beer Cast. My thanks to everybody involved in the program, and my thanks to Greg Renoff uh, for a couple of segments talking all about Van Halen. Go get his book. If you're a Van Halen fan, get on Amazon, put it on your wish list, tell your wife, your girlfriend, your, your best friend, your brother, your husband, whatever, 
tell, tell them to buy it. You will not be disappointed. The research that he puts in this is extensive and accurate and a phenomenal read. So thanks to Greg for joining me for a couple of segments. And, of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. I am not back until Thursday on the Joe Piscopo Show. I've got a couple of days off. We'll do a little beer research or whatever. Uh, this has been the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Cheers, everybody. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.